except the one whose faith is weak, without quarrelling over disputable matters. One, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Continuing Romans chapter 14, verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat something that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubt is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Alan and Noni. Uh, as 
uh, Amy mentioned, uh, Sam, our uni church minister, uh, has come down with a stomach bug this morning and was unable to preach. And he sent me through uh, uh, the notes of what he was preaching. So that's really helpful for me. Otherwise, it's going to be pretty fun up here this morning. Uh, one of the things, yeah, I am preaching the passage next week, which is really connected to this passage. So uh, I've kind of got my head in this passage anyway. This is helpful. But how about um, I pray for us? as we head into the passage. Uh, loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word to us uh, in the scriptures. Uh, particularly, uh, we pray for this really practical word about how to live as your followers. Help us understand it uh, in its original context and help us really take uh, the lessons that you will give to us through your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the passage we heard read uh, so wonderfully uh, is in the, in, uh, in the news sheet, so it would be great to have that open. There's a bit of an outline there, and you can put down some notes if that would be helpful for you. Uh, so really, this is a letter by Paul uh, to uh, the community in Rome. It's, it's quite a young community, and they're really just learning to live together uh, and find out what it really means to be followers of Jesus. Uh, they're living in a culture that sees them as weird and more and more is hostile to them and their faith. And like a lot of the early churches, the church in Rome is really diverse. It's got rich people, it's got poor people, it's got slaves people, it's got free people, men and women and also Jews and Gentiles. It's really a diverse bunch. And here's the, the, the real question that this kind of passage from uh, at the start of 14 right through really halfway through uh, 15 is dealing with is how should Christians treat each other when we disagree? Now, this doesn't have relevance for us, does it? Because we would never disagree. It does have lots of relevance, doesn't it? Because we disagree as well. And so there's really a word, a very practical word uh, for us as well and for all churches. Now, believe it or not, uh, Liz and I do disagree sometimes. Liz is my wife, by the way, for that to make sense. I think one of our weirdest but most passionate arguments was over strawberry milk. If you want to find out more, you can ask Liz afterwards. Now, Liz is already talking, I can see, about, I remember that. Alex was wrong, no. <laughs> um, some disagreements could be harmless and little and funny. Uh, and some disagreements actually are quite significant. Uh, across the history of, uh, of the church, there have been some quite significant points of disagreement uh, over doctrine, over issues of church practice, which really have divided churches, and they're quite significant. They've even led to persecution between Christians. Uh, there have been huge issues. But for us here at 10am, the diversity uh, of church experience we've come from uh, means that sometimes there are points of difference between us here. Uh, there are people here who have grown up in different denominations, uh, in the Uniting Church, the Presbyterian Church, uh, Pentecostal churches, Catholic churches, uh, people here who've grown up in the Anglican churches, but uh, the Anglican church is quite broad and, and you might have a very different experience of what you would experience here at St Jude's. We come from across Melbourne, uh, from interstate, from overseas. We have people who are politically conservative, who are politically progressive and everywhere in between. And that's a wonderful thing 
about our community that we're so diverse. But when you have diversity, you also have difference as well. And sometimes there are going to be disagreements about the Christian life. And so we're in, a, in some ways a similar situation to the church in Rome. Uh, a lot of the church was ethnically Jewish and so they've grown up uh, with a very different lifestyle to those who have uh, become Christians uh, later. They've grown up obeying the laws of the Old Testament, the Torah, while others have grown up in Roman society or Greek society. They're uh, used to their religion, their gods, lots of different practices, sacrifices and rituals. And these two groups have come together to form this new community of faith, following Jesus. And there are challenges that are coming with this diversity. One group has hang-ups over diets and sacred days. The other group, their main hang-up is really about that first group and what they believe. That's what's kind of going on here. One group thinking you should eat certain things, observe certain uh, sacred days. The other group saying, what are you talking about? That doesn't belong in the Christian life. Uh, what seems to be happening is some of those who, who grew up Jewish, they're probably uh, vegetarians and it's not because of kind of some sort of uh, belief about the environmental impact of meat production or compassion for animals. It's probably because uh, it's about purity because a lot of the uh, worship practices uh, of Roman society where lots of meat uh, which people ate had been sacrificed to idols and as Jews they didn't want any part of that. So like Daniel in Babylon, some Jews uh, chose to avoid meat entirely. That's probably what's going on uh, for these people that Paul calls vegetarians. So Paul says in verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And in verse 1, Paul calls this a disputable matter, uh, something that you can disagree on and it's okay. It's okay if you disagree on it. Both sides are okay. Whether you eat meat or not isn't really a big deal. It's not a deal breaker for genuine faith whichever way you go, wherever you land on this. And the second disputable matter is that they're judging each other over sacred days. Uh, like their diet, uh, the sacred days are the things, that the days that the Jews observed was really a kind of a marker of their spiritual spirituality. Identified Jewish communities and probably in the early church some of the ethnic Jewish believers were still observing the Sabbath days and other uh, parts of the Jewish calendar. While the non-Jewish believers who hadn't grown up with any of that and had come to be Christians and realised that wasn't really a part of following uh, Jesus, they didn't do that. Uh, perhaps even some of the Romans were observing some of the pagan sacred days as well, which the Jews would kind of look down and see as idolatrous as well. And so some of them do, some of them don't observe the Sabbath based on their conscience. And the problem is, though, they're judging each other for it. That's the big problem that Paul is addressing here. The language is there a couple of times in verse 3, uh, also there in verse 4, 
verse 10, a few times in verse 13. It's all through the passage. Uh, And Paul also calls it treating each other with contempt in verse 3 and verse 10. They're judging each other, they're treating each other with contempt because the differences between them don't really matter because of these disputable matters. Which, even though we might pretend it's not, it's kind of human nature to judge each other, isn't it? We do it all the time. We do it instinctively. Uh, We can judge each other on a kind of large scale, some of the big problems in the world like racism or ethnic tensions or class divisions where we make judgments about the worth and value of people based on their race or their class or their status or their skin colour or their gender. And we also judge each other in little ways, perhaps harder to see, like the way we think about someone who has uh, different uh, political preferences to us. there was a Reddit, an online survey thingy, uh, asking people uh, to sort of write down or, or submit what they were secretly judging people for. Here's a bit of a list. They judged people for not putting their shopping trolley back, the background on their phone, especially if it's a picture of themselves, uh, driving skills. Lots of the answers are about how people drive. Oversharing on social media, people who treat their pets like children. That's what we're judging each other for. And I'm sure if we just paused here, we could all add lots to that list. I personally judge uh, people, uh, particularly when I'm doing the washing, particularly my family, when they don't take their clothes off properly and it's hard to hang them on the line. It's pretty relatable, right? But that kind of judging, where we actually write people off, in the language of Romans, is a pattern of this world. If we go back to those key verses which really determines the trajectory of this whole section in chapter 12, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Do not conform, but be transformed. The pattern of this world, the normal way to behave, is to judge. Even though we live in a culture that highly values inclusion and tolerance, we can see that very culture it sometimes hardens, it moves into judgment of those who don't share our values. And perhaps you've seen that in our society happening. But followers of Jesus are not con- uh, called not to conform to that pattern, writing people off because they disagree with us but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds we're called to a different way to live a different way to be human a different way to treat and to love each other and we've got to be real here church hasn't always lived up to that call has it we haven't always done that even in a world where uh, people kind of judge each other instinctively, the church sometimes has been seen as judgmental. It really matters that we are transformed from the worldly pattern of judgment to something new. Sometimes the world is unfair on the church, but sometimes they're right. 
We can't be that kind of community that writes people off, write each other off. What kinds of things might we judge each other in church for today? Remember Paul's writing here about Christians judging each other, about disputable matters within the church community. Maybe it's not about observing the Sabbath or or, or what we eat or don't eat. Though I reckon we do have things that we might judge each other on. Maybe it's politics. Maybe that's something that we kind of just pigeonhole people into. If they believe this thing or that thing, we kind of, oh, they're that kind of person. They're not they're not a, a real Christian. How could you possibly support a party that locks up refugees or, 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 or vote for a left-wing party trying to, try to squeeze uh, Christianity out of society? Now, these, it's not that these aren't important things. They are important things. But what we can inadvertently do is, is take our personal preferences, our personal views on a topic and spiritualise them and make them essentials. What Paul is addressing here, he's not saying these matters aren't important, he expresses his own personal view on them. What, uh, what he's actually addressing here is the way that we treat each other on these matters, how we come to each other, how we relate to each other. If we find out uh, how someone votes, does that change the way we think about them? The way we view them? Do we judge them? Do we treat them with contempt? There are lots of things we could kind of place in this disputable matters box. Like, should Christians drink? What should we do with Halloween? Maybe they're theological questions like what's your view of baptism or a raft of other things. I'm sure you could sort of put some of your issues there. Uh, Denominations have emerged and diverged due to some of these differences and some of them are really important but here there's a clear word from Paul. So the question is what should we do? How should we come to these sorts of issues? Well, I think God gives us in Romans 14 some guidelines about how we should approach these disputable matters. And they're possibly different to what we might expect. Uh, When we come to these differences uh, in the Roman church in this particular uh, chapter, Paul isn't trying to show the vegetarians why they can eat meat with clear consciences. Though he believes they can, he's, he's clear about that. That's his own opinion, he says, but he's not trying to correct that opinion. Why not? Because, verse 4, to their own master, servants stand or fall. To their own master, servants stand or fall. Because, verse 7, none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Because, verse 8, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Verse 10, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Because, put simply in verse 12, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Paul here is saying we shouldn't judge each other because we already have a judge. We already have a judge. See, every person lives 
to please someone, you, me, everyone, we all. And if, if that person we live to please, uh, it could be ourselves, it could be uh, someone else, could be our parents, could be our boss. There's always someone at the other end of every decision we make, whether it's ourselves or someone else. But if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we live to please an audience of one. The one who made us, the one who redeemed us, the one who sustains us and the one who will judge us. We live for Jesus. We live to please and honour and glorify him. That's what it means for Jesus to be our Lord. Uh, Ten times in the first nine verses here, uh, Paul calls Jesus our Lord. That's what's important. And if someone calls Jesus Lord, then it's the Lord Jesus who has the right and the role to pass judgment. Not me. Not me. And I know that if Jesus, uh, they call Jesus Lord, then Jesus' judgment is that they are actually forgiven. Spirit-filled new creations. So I, as your fellow believer, am in no position to judge you because your Lord, who is also my Lord, is the one who judges all of us. And I'm in no position to treat you with contempt because that Lord treats us with grace. Every compass needle points north, not by looking at what the other needles are doing, but by knowing north. So all of us are ultimately accountable to God and there's no place for us to judge each other. As Paul quotes, In verse 11, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. If we're living here for the approval of others, if we're looking down on others, we need to know that there's only one true Lord and one true judge, God. And if you're living for yourself, if you've placed yourself in the position of judge, then know that there's no harsher judge of you than you, actually. And living for yourself at the end of the day is hollow. It's actually really great news to live with God as our judge. It's good news for God to judge us because when God judges us, when he sees us in the Lord Jesus Christ, he judges us as innocent, as free, as worthy. Because without us being in the Lord Jesus Christ, our lives ultimately aren't going to stack up because none of us have lived the life that God wants us to, which is ironic when we judge others, right? None of us have lived the life that God wants us to. The only one who lived the perfect life was Jesus. He's the only one who can stand before God and be declared innocent. But he actually went to the cross. 
he took our places, bore the punishment that we deserved, so that his perfect life might become ours. And so because we are in Christ, for those who are in Christ, when we stand before the judgment seat of God, we find grace. And that reality is meant to dictate how we treat each other with grace. Not judgment, but with grace. And that's kind of the basic argument here. Every one of us is accountable to God for how we live. And in Christ, God has judged us with grace. So, treat each other with grace. Treat each other with grace. Don't judge uh, each other for ways that you're different or treat each other with contempt. That's where Paul's going. So maybe we could kind of finish by considering some practical ideas of what that kind of transformed life, that grace-filled life might look like. Have a look at verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or any obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister, a fellow believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't do anything which offends their conscience, even if you're persuaded that there's nothing wrong with it, and even if you're objectively right. Even if you're objectively right, don't put a stumbling block or obstacle in front of a brother or sister. Uh, One of the early church fathers, uh, Oregon, wrote, eating meat and drinking wine are matters of indifference in themselves. Even wicked people may abstain from these things. The only reason abstinence of this kind of good, uh, of this kind is good, is that it may help to avoid offending a brother or sister. Imagine you have a friend who struggles with alcohol. Uh, They become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And since coming to believe, they're doing slow work, maybe, you know, two steps forward, one step back, uh, bringing their life under the complete lordship of Jesus and leaving that kind of pattern of drinking and living behind. Now, you could be convinced that a glass of wine, uh, a cold pale ale, uh, uh, is fine, even a foretaste of heaven. You have no ethical qualms about enjoying that. But how about for your friend who's just become a believer and has been struggling with that? What's the call of Romans 14? Well, let it go when you're out with that friend, when they're amongst us at a church gathering. Lay down that right for the good of your brother or your sister. There's one example. And there could be lots of other examples. Things that are okay in themselves, but for the sake of your brother or sister, you can let it go. 
And when we come to these disputable matters, these differences in practice or secondary theological questions, we can apply the same spirit of other person-focused love. We view one another in our differences in love instead of with judgment or contempt. It can be easy for us to think poorly of a person because they think differently or we think that they're just wrong. That's not the call here. Here we're called to assume the best of each other's theology and motivations instead of assuming the worst. And I think this is a big passage for ministers and pastors. No, more, no body is more prone to looking at Christians who are different with a judgment rather than love than pastors, I think, sometimes in the area of theology. Now, a question might be coming up in your mind, well, does that mean every difference is disputable? Uh, there's nothing that we should kind of put a flag in the ground about. Well, I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. He's talking in verse 1 particularly explicitly about disputable matters and this is a disputable matter here he's not saying every difference is fine that there's no wrong theology no uh no practice uh, that we should not only uh disagree with but we should actually say something about uh, you can't use this passage to suggest uh that uh things like sleeping around uh, that's all good because it's just a matter of conscience right or a disputable matter no there are ex- Explicit, explicit things said in the Bible uh, against that. And there are doctrines which are revealed in Scripture to be right or wrong and are of primary importance. There are uh, people who deny the divinity of Christ. There were Christians back then who denied the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. And the apostles have strong words, strong words for them. Uh, Paul isn't saying here that there are no hills to die on because there were hills that Paul would go to die and just read the, uh, the letter to the Galatians, for example. But this teaching is about the secondary stuff, the disputable matters. And we've got to learn to triage these issues. Uh, a little while ago, I, was, uh, I, had a, I got a scratch on my eye from my cat, meant to be my friend, and look what he does. And I was there for like five hours, Right? from 9.30 to sometime in the morning because there were other people who had more pressing issues than I did, right? They had a look at my eye, they sent me back to wait, they said, I will get to you in time because there are other people who had more pressing concerns, more things that needed to be addressed. And so we need to triage these points of difference uh, and disagreement. The call here is to not major on the minors, but to make the main things the main things. To not make a big deal of the things that aren't a big deal. It's a call to treat one another with grace, the way that God treats our brothers and sisters and the way that God treats us. And it's a call to look at ourselves and our community with transformed eyes and minds, not through the pattern of this world. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word to us today. It was so relevant for Rome, but it's also so relevant for us.
Help us be this community of grace where we major on the majors, where we show each other grace instead of harsh judgment, the way that you have treated us with grace. Amen.